And just like that, we're back. I'm Josh Pate. This is the Late Kick Extra podcast for Tuesday morning, afternoon, maybe even evening. I don't know. I don't care how you live your life out there as long as you're listening. But it is the year of our Lord, 2021, regardless of what day or time you choose to listen. We got a loaded college football mailbag for you this morning. We do this thing every Tuesday and every Thursday. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. That's one way that you can submit your question or comments. I get a lot of those too, and I appreciate them. You can also DM me on Twitter or on Instagram, at LateKickJosh. And let me tell you, I need to give a big thank you to some of the Instagram accounts out there. Some of you have sizable college football Instagram accounts, and some of you guys have given my page shout-outs. I mean, mine's pretty brand new. I've only really been messing around with Instagram for a few months, and you've been putting it in your stories. You've been directing your followers over to mine, giving me a bunch of follows. So I really appreciate that. And any of you who do that, I really appreciate that. And let me just put it this way. I will remember... Much like Sarah McLaughlin saying once upon a decade, I will remember you because you remembered me. So I changed the lyrics up there a little bit, but in all sincerity, any of you who do that, I don't care if you got 50 followers or 50 million, thank you for that. It really bleeds back into how we handle things here at Lake Kick. It's kind of communal in nature. It's something that you can afford to do when you do the show the way that I do the show and the way we do the show. In fact, you rarely hear me say the word I because I want it to be we. It would be stupid if this show were about me. It would be stupid if this show was just me. So uh, that's why I have the most fun when we do those Late Kick Show Owners Association meetings, where I get like 30 or 40 of you in there instead of just listening to myself talk. If you haven't listened to that already, by the way, the Show Owners Association meeting, make sure you listen to that. That full nearly two hours is also on the YouTube channel. Uh, that is 24-7 Sports if you're trying to find that on YouTube for the first time. So we got a loaded mailbag this morning. I got some other stuff to get to, but I'll kind of you know weave it into the tapestry of this morning's podcast. As you can tell, by the way, I'm recording in the morning. Still got that slight sinusy, nasally feel. I've chugged some caffeine here. Got the hot water, the lemon, the honey and all that. It doesn't work. Don't listen to any of it. It doesn't work. So whatever. I know you'll listen anyway. Let's go. Otto leads us off. For how long would you say a fan base could reasonably bask in the glow of winning a championship before aggravation sets in and similar success has yet to be repeated? Of course, this is assuming the team does not repeat as champs. Two years, Otto. That's my answer. Two years. Let's just use LSU. LSU had a season for the ages in 2019. They had a season to forget in 2020. Well, let's just ask our LSU listeners. Let's ask our LSU viewers when we do the show on YouTube. Are you guys still basking? You still remember it. You're probably watching replays of that game every other day. At least I know I would be if I were you guys. But think about it. Think it out loud. Pretend you're an LSU fan, even if you're not. Last year, understandable. And forget about COVID. Forget about all the externals. Let's just pretend like last year was a normal year from a format standpoint, but you still had the same underwhelming results on the field. Last year, no one, and I mean no one, was looking and saying, forget 2019. It's 2020. We ain't getting the job done. We got to get this entire staff out of here. We got to clean house. And if someone was saying that, they were the radical, radical minority. But now that we move into 2021, I think that number, it may not be at 50%, certainly, of the fan base. Well, I don't know. I will helpfully say that the portion of the fan base that now feels 2021 is when they need to see something. It is sizable. It's a whole lot bigger, obviously, than it was last year. So, Otto, I think that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at the fact that A national title buys you near complete immunity for one year. That's if you don't have some off-field stuff go down. And 
that's kind of been the case with LSU. So, and I'm not saying anything's been proven or anything's come out here or there definitively. I'm just saying that's been the backdrop. That's been the kind of the haze, the smoke that you can smell, but you can't see the fire around here. So they've been kind of whispering about that, but it really all goes back to inability to perform on the field last year. But as long as you got 2019 to fall back on, nothing bad's going to happen to you in 2020. Although I would say two years, I would say 2021, if you did it in 2019, 2021, that's when that aggravation can really start to set in because LSU was a 500 team last year. What if they went 500 again this year? If they went 6-6 six and six this year, I don't know that Ed Orgeron's back in 2022. And by the way, you know, for those who may be newer to this podcast, that's not stuff I say very often. I don't do the hot take stuff. That's not, that's not me looking to put a headline out there that one of our desk writers can get 750 words on, although it does kind of work that way sometimes. I am dead serious when I say that. I'm dead serious. That's how a lot of people feel down there. And I don't just mean around town. I don't just mean on the quad. I'm talking about internally. Like I think people inside LSU, in some cases, if I were to toss them that hypothetical, you guys go six and six this year. Who's the head coach in 2022? I don't know that they're readily saying Ed. Oh, Ed. Yeah, Ed. Oh, it'll still be Ed. I don't think we'd hear that at all. I think you'd hear a long pause. And if I had a group of 10 of them in the room, I think someone would eventually say, I don't think he'd be here. And then four others would shake their head. Yep, I agree. And then the remaining room would say, oh, at the very least, I'm conflicted on this. But you know what? If that's the way the rest of the room thinks, I'd tend to lean that way. I don't think he'd be here. You'd probably get 80% consensus or 80s high or maybe 65. Let's go 65% consensus among people inside and or close to the LSU football program or athletic department, that they'd make a move and they'd have a new guy in charge by 2022. Of course, and I want to hit the brake, brake pedal right there, brake. Of course, they could also go 11-1 and one this year and win the West. You know, that could happen. That could happen. Or they could go 8-4. and four. And then a lot of people are aggravated, Otto, but 8-4 and four may not be good enough to get that 65% supermajority on your side. Not that you always need a supermajority, but in this case, I think that there would be a lot of credence lent to the overwhelming support or pushback from the fan base and then people closer to the program inside the purple and gold sphere, so to speak. Good question, though. Interesting question. And Otto, the end of that answer, maybe it just varies program to program. I mean, that's also true. Let's go to Benny. Benny says, this isn't criticism, so please don't take it that way. I'm genuinely curious, how do you decide which teams to talk about any given show and why are some constantly in the rotation when others barely get a mention once a month or so. Benny, I don't care if you criticize me, but I do appreciate you saying that this isn't criticism. So here's how this works, Benny. I could stack a show for me all day, and I'd probably talk about a lot of teams that the vast majority of you don't care about. If I were to stack this show strictly based on my interest, we would talk about a lot of teams, way more than we typically touch on around here. What I do instead is I stack the show for you. So I tell you guys this all the time. It's not a marketing slogan. It's reality. You run the show. You run all these shows. You don't just run the show owners association meetings. You don't just run this Q&A. You run Late Kick Live. You run all the stuff I do. So what I'm doing, Benny, is I'm simply aggregating your feedback. Now, fortunately for us, we have a big enough audience now to where we get a really good read. It's not anecdotal. It's not case by case. It's not like on Twitter sometimes. If you had 57 followers and you ran a poll, you could get 95% to 5% results on something just because 10 people decided to flood your poll. We got a big enough audience now to where that doesn't happen, and we can get a really good gauge on 
which fan bases are tuned in, which fan bases are, are more well represented within our audience. Now, that doesn't mean we're not always trying to expand it. But any given episode, I always tell our staff, our energy flows where your attention goes. By your, I mean the audience. And so if you're asking us a whole lot about Tennessee, let's say, I'm putting Tennessee in the show. Even if they are a bad program right now, I'm putting Tennessee in the show because you care. But here's what else I know. And this is something I learned the hard way doing radio and then TV down in Columbus for a long time. And I knew this as a, as a listener and a viewer of radio and TV, sports radio and TV myself. There is a way that you can talk about a program that Steve does not pull for that could interest Steve and draw him in. Okay, if Steve is a Minnesota fan, it's really not that hard to talk about Minnesota and interest Steve. But here's where the skill is. Here's where the talent is. Can I talk about South Carolina and make Steve care about it? Because there is no natural connection there. Steve has no cousin that goes to South Carolina. He's never been to the state in his life. He certainly didn't grow up watching SEC football or anything like that. But I can still interest him. How do I do that? Well, there are common parallels. There are common threads. There are shared themes that are woven throughout the tapestry of this sport. Therefore, it doesn't really matter who you pull for. There are certain universally applicable themes that you can build shows around. You can build segments around. It's called content mapping. We have a whole borderline science behind how we do it and how we approach it. And it all boils down to this, Benny. You know if we're doing a national college football show, which this is, that we we, we got to focus on some of the big boys disproportionate to some of the third and fourth tier programs. We still touch on them. I, I try and get them in as much as I can, but to be responsible to the audience as a whole, obviously I got to talk Alabama a pretty good bit. Obviously we're going to talk about Texas or, or Ohio State a pretty good bit. Having said that, Benny, here's the challenge. How do I format a show? How do I stack a show and present a show where it draws you in when I'm talking about someone you otherwise would not care about? That is the challenge. That is where you separate yourself, hopefully, from other brands, other programs, other fill-in-the-blanks out there. I've done some Zoom consultations recently with some of you who have started your own podcast, some of you who have started your own YouTube channels. And by the way, if you want to schedule one of those, you can hit me up, joshpate706 at gmail.com. And one of the biggest things we work on is I pretend to be a fan of Arizona. And I tell you, I'm going to give you 30 seconds in your mind to come up with a two-minute segment on Michigan. And I want you to present that Michigan segment in a way that would interest me, the Arizona State fan. And then we pause two minutes, and then I hit go on the timer. And you talk two minutes, and you see if it interests me as an Arizona State fan. Benny, here's what I hope happens. And everyone else out there listening, you can apply this to yourself just as well as Benny can his. If I'm doing a half-decent job at what I do, you have found yourself before listening to me talk about a team or talk about a coach or talk about a subject that otherwise you don't have all that big an interest in and yet you've still been drawn in. If you listen to this show in any form, if you watch it on YouTube, if you listen to it in the podcast and we can make you care about a subject for an extended period of time that previously no one had made you have an interest in, then it's a really, really good job done. But I'll tell you what else it's doing. And this is another little piece of advice because I know a lot of you out there who are in our industry, you listen because I talk to you all the time behind the scenes. So just a little challenge to you. That is what a professional can do. If you claim to be a professional, if anyone's paying you to do this stuff, how good are you at making people care about the sport as opposed to just caring about their team? It's a not up to them, okay? They don't show up obligated to listen to you talk about 14 different programs and three different topics that have nothing to do with 
the team they root for. It's up to you to be good enough. It's up to you to present a strong enough product and be prepared enough and be well-read enough and be creative enough to present it in a way where it appeals to them. And if you have enough people in the space doing that, if enough people are in the college football media space doing that, guess what's happening to the game? The game is growing. By default, the game is growing because you have more people out there who have a better idea about the sport as a whole. They have more feelings and opinions about the sport as a whole. That's a very good thing. It's a very, I had that happen to me when I was younger. And so I always remembered that. And I always said, if I can ever get a show of my own, if someone ever hands me a microphone and turns that light on and lets me talk for them, lets me create for them, lets me present for them, I'm going to hopefully be able to do something that appeals on a broad level, even though I'm not talking about broad topics all the time. So Benny, the answer to the question, how do we decide which teams we talk about a lot? It's the teams that you guys ask about the most. And I'm listening to you constantly. I told you, as I've said a thousand times, if we had a flood of emails demanding Utah Utes football talk, I'd do it. But hopefully I would do it in a way that made the Tennessee football fan at least have some passing interest in what I was saying. All right, let's roll on here. I did not have a name on this one. This is from the podcast review section. And let me pause and uh, ask you. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. I don't want to beg you at the front of the podcast. You notice a lot of people do that. <laughs> sometimes Sometimes if I'm listening to a podcast and they just beg for five-star reviews before they ever start talking, I just kind of turn it off, shamefully, but I kind of do it. So I'm going to ask you like 15 minutes in, so I've, I've hidden it. It's like a little Easter egg in here. The five-star reviews are appreciated, but the reason I'm mentioning them, aside from the obvious, is you can also submit a, well, it's designed for you to submit a comment, but the way we work it is, why don't you just put your question there in the comment section, and therefore I'll be sure to see it. So someone did that. They didn't leave a name, but here's what it said. I was listening to the show owner's pod, and I heard the Saban replacement talk. Well, my thoughts are, what about Billy Napier? P.S. I listen to the show while I rock climb. Now that was good. Let's work in reverse here. He's listening, or she, I don't even know. If it was a guy or a girl, I don't even know. This person is listening to us as they rock climb. That's the kind of life we all should be living. Because I know some of you are listening right now in your cubicle. It's after lunch. And I know specifically hundreds of you have told me you use this podcast or the previous night's show. You save it intentionally. And you save it until after lunch because you find that it bridges the gap between lunch and and being able to clock out at five or four whenever you guys get to get off work. And I appreciate that. That's all well and good. But I know good and well if one of you is sitting there right now and you just cranked it up and you're a couple of minutes in now, you still got food between your teeth. Check it, by the way. You get the mirror right there on your desk. Go ahead. Check it. Check it. Turkey. Right there. I told you. You're sitting there, though, and you're listening to a guy talk about rock climbing while he's listening to the same show you're stuck at a desk listening to. And you're asking yourself... How in the world did I get to this desk when that guy is on the face of a cliff somewhere? And I don't have an answer for you. I know that wasn't necessarily the most encouraging message in the world. But I listen, you may, may be doing wonderful work. You may be selling that guy insurance. So everyone has their role. Everyone has their place in the machine. Thank you for listening, though. And what I was going to say there is there is no feedback I love getting more than the listener testimonials. Letting me know where you watch the show or letting me know where you listen to the show. Because it lets me know, basically, our audience is exactly what we want our audience to be. I don't get a whole lot of feedback from the country clubs. And I appreciate if you're listening to me at the country club. And God bless you if you can afford to be at the country club. But I got a ton of truck drivers who hit me up. I got a bunch of folks who hit me up talking about mowing their lawn and using the show to fill the gap while they mow their lawn. I got a guy climbing rocks. 
I got a bunch of folks sitting in office buildings, construction workers out the wazoo. That is our audience. That is who you are. A lot of you are in college, and so you still don't even know where you're going to be headed. We got a huge college audience. We got some folks in high school that listen. And I'll tell you another hidden battle that goes on on the show right now. We got a ton of UPS drivers and a ton of FedEx drivers who listen. And I keep a little running tally. It's unofficial. I've never posted it publicly, and I don't have it right here. But I have so many delivery truck drivers who hit me up talking about how they listen to the show on their route to pass the time during the day. I don't know who's in the lead right now. I think at last check, FedEx had about a a 55-45% lead. But just a heads up, I mean, listen, I I got FedEx in my family now. But I play no favorites here. UPS, you guys and girls can make it up by the end of the day. So I'm just saying, however you listen, however you watch the show, I always love hearing that. Anyway, the actual comment here or question was about Billy Napier. Our rock climbing amigo said, how about Billy Napier for Nick Saban? Well, if it happened today, I think he would be on the very short list. Yeah, I agree with this. Billy Napier, for those unfamiliar, that's the head coach at Louisiana. Don't call him Lafayette. It's just Louisiana. And he is the head coach there that's had opportunities. He's had several SEC opportunities now, and he's turned them down. And he's turned them down because he doesn't have to leave. We've gone over this whole thing before. The, the University of Louisiana head football coach right now is in a position that is better as a coach. That job is a better job right now than a lot of the SEC jobs. Now, how could that be? Is he getting paid more? No, he's not getting paid more right now. And that's the key right now. He's playing a 10-year game. These guys, these younger head coaches, they're not playing the 10-month game. Hopefully, if they're smart with their money, they're able to play the 10-year game. Billy Napier knows if he continues to keep his nose clean, keep his nose down, and keep himself on the current path he's on, 10 years from now, money is not going to be a concern of his, nor his families, nor his extended families, nor his grandchildren that won't even be born for several years down the road. But right now, what he has is a place where it's almost impossible for his stock to really dip all that badly, but he's got incredibly high stock. So it's a very, very high reward, relatively low risk situation for him. And what he knows is every single year in the offseason, he's going to be a hot commodity. And so far through these last couple of cycles, every job opening has been tied to him. Auburn was tied to him. South Carolina was tied to him. Tennessee. All these jobs were tied to him. I can tell you he's had offers. He's been very selective, which tells you he's happy where he is right now. He's fully content there, and he is totally comfortable waiting on the right job. Well, it's becoming pretty obvious the right job for him, there aren't many of them out there. Alabama obviously would be one. LSU would be one. All these big jobs, I mean, the truly premier jobs, they'd be one. But I think he's looked at, and I've told you, this is the talk in the agent industry right now. He has looked, as has his representative and Every agent and coach out there at this point talks about this behind the scenes. They've looked at how this stuff has started to evolve. It used to be ludicrous. Let's just say we could rewind a few years. It would be ludicrous for me to tell you the head coach at SMU has been offered a head coaching job at Arkansas. I don't think he should take it, though. That sounds stupid, right? Arkansas is a major program. It's in the SEC. They could buy SMU 10 times over. How in the world could you ever say something like that? Well, the way I could say it is, do you know who Chad Morris is? Can any of you off the top of your head tell me where Chad Morris is right now? I'll tell you where he was several years ago. He was at Clemson. He was one of the hottest names in the assistant coaching market, and he got his big break. He got a head coaching job at SMU and started to do some things at SMU, started to get some traction. And then Arkansas came calling, and Chad Morris took the job. 
Now, no one faults him. It was a massive pay raise. It was a massive profile increase. But here's the problem. He walked into a no-win situation. Now, I don't think he was a good fit at Arkansas, but that's not his fault. He didn't offer himself the job. But it didn't work out there. Well, what happened then was all that equity he had built up, it went splat. And then he went to Auburn, and things didn't work out at Auburn. And where in the world is Chad Morris right now? I kid you not, 90% of you could not tell me where he is. The answer, by the way, is he is coaching high school ball in Texas. High school ball in Texas. Now, it's a big deal, but it is a high school job. I think he's at Allen. Well, a lot of other people watch that. And so they figured out, wait a second. So the, the landscape's changing because simultaneous to that, you had people like Kirby Smart getting their first head coaching job at Georgia. Ryan Day's first head coaching job is at Ohio State. Lincoln Riley's first head coaching job is OU. So here's what representatives, or as you would know them, agents and coaches alike are seeing. What they're seeing is the landscape is telling us we don't have to take the first head coaching job that comes available anymore to ultimately get the big time jobs. Because we got several examples now of guys having their first head coaching job be one of those big time jobs. And so what we need to do is instead of taking a chance on a place like Arkansas, where my client has to face LSU, Alabama, Auburn, and Texas A&M every single year, instead of doing that, let's find ourselves a really good G5 and let's prop ourselves there and let's win because it's a good coach. He's a good coach. So let's win there. And then let's also use it as sort of a staging facility. Because we can stay there as long as we want to. Once, once you get a program rolling at the G5 level, it's probably not falling off. Once Scott Frost got UCF rolling, he could have stayed there and continued to win, maybe not undefeated every year. But his profile and stock would have stayed sky high. He would have been averaging double-digit wins per year. And if he did not take the Nebraska job, I understand there are ties that he had there emotionally that make that different than Chad Morris. But if he had not taken the Nebraska job, do you know how many jobs Scott Frost would have been offered had he stayed in Orlando, stayed at UCF? Do you know how many jobs Chad Morris would have been offered? Well above and beyond Arkansas, all due respect, had he stayed at SMU. Well, what does that have to do with Napier? I think it's pretty obvious. Billy Napier and his representative learned the lesson. And so what they're doing is they're using the modern playbook. The modern college football playbook is you find yourself a good G5 program, you better be good enough to build it up. But if you are good enough to build it up and we're making enough money, which, which right now he is, then we're going to wait and we're going to play not the long game, but we're going to play the midterm game. And that may mean turning down a South Carolina level job or an Auburn level job. And those are big time jobs. But if we're waiting on one of the big boys to open up, Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana is a perfect place to wait it out because we're not losing anything down here and we're potentially gaining massively on our future ventures because we're not taking the first job that comes along. All right, Chris has a really good one that I was just talking to someone about last night uh, on another podcast, and I want to talk about it here. It's about development, and it's about underachieving and not winning the big one, and how valid that is as opposed to how many times people say it. We'll do it right after this. So Chris just asked flat out, how fair is it for people to say Kirby Smart can't win the big one? Chris, I don't think it's fair at all. I think it's actually lazy. I think it's pretty lazy. I know a lot of you say this. I know a ton of you listening say this. How, how do you know? How do you know he can't? You know how big I am on this. This is not just semantics. Can't versus haven't, they're two wildly different concepts. When you're telling me something can't be done, it literally means there's no way. Okay, this guy was in overtime of a national championship game his second year on the job. So with all due respect, 
You're not stupid for saying that, but I think it's a stupid thing to say, to say he can't do it. The bottom line is a dropped pass that he has no control over could have actually changed the trajectory to where he already would have one. So if you've been that close, you're going to have to excuse me if I don't buy into the can't. Haven't is a different deal. No, he has not. Kirby Smart has not won a national championship. What are we talking about here, though? Like, How do you determine this? I've always been fascinated by How do you determine how long does a guy have to be in as a head coach before you, and I'm talking to just each individual now, before you guys decide that he can't do something? Because I'm just looking at raw talent level on the roster because he's a great recruiter. And I don't think anyone who even criticizes him is claiming anything other than that. He's a great recruiter. Just by the mere nature of how much talent you're going to have on your roster every year, I already know year in and year out, you're going to be one of only about 10 or maybe less in, again, any given year that can win a title. You're going to be there every year. You're going to be in the conversation every single year. I mean, some people have started to to spout this stuff off about Lincoln Riley, too. Lincoln Riley and Kirby Smart combined don't have a decade of coaching experience yet, and we're talking about what they can't do. Chris, you're asking, is it fair or not? I don't know what's fair or not, but here's what I challenge anyone to do. If you think Lincoln Riley and or Kirby Smart can't win a national championship, I'd be more than happy to take a prop bet. And the prop bet is, over the next decade, the over-under for national championships of the two combined is 0.5. Now, if you truly believe the words coming out of your mouth and you truly believe that neither of them can win a title, then I see no reason why you wouldn't grant me this bet. And we'll do it for any amount that makes you uncomfortable. And if your amount is more than I can afford, I'd be happy to find an angel investor, of which I'm sure there would be many that would see the wise nature of said investment. So let's line that up. In all seriousness, it's going to be a decade-long prop bet, so you better get comfortable. Bring your lawn chair. But let's set it up. Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart, over under 0.5 national championships over the next 10 years. I'm taking the over because I don't believe that anyone could know whether those guys can't win a title yet. Uh, We had several questions about Tennessee. And so I want to hit Seth. Like We had several of them. I'm not even going to name all the names. I am talking about Tennessee later this week. They have their spring game coming up. So I intentionally have not touched on them a lot. I know they got a new quarterback in the house. And Joe Milton came from Michigan. They got Hooker from Virginia Tech. Like, they've got several new guys in the mix there. And so there's a thought that, oh, could this quarterback room be a little bit better than we thought? And therefore, could Tennessee football be a little bit better than we thought? I got to talk to some people, and I got to do some thinking on this. So we will table that to be continued for later in the week. Remember to follow me on Instagram, at LateKickJosh. Got a lot going on over there. It's worth opening an Instagram account if you don't already have one. Let me just put it that way, and especially come fall. It's going to be really good over there. Really fun. And there are going to be some stuff that you can only get there. But thank you for listening. Make sure you give us five-star reviews on the podcast. And make sure you hit me up if you want to schedule a Zoom consultation with me about anything media-related. You looking to get into it. Uh, you looking to start a podcast. You looking to start a YouTube channel. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. Until the next time, I want you to have yourselves a great day. For Producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. As always, we leave you with these two words. God bless. God bless.